Hello and welcome to the weekly message podcast from Crozet United Methodist Church in Crozet, Virginia. We invite you to join us in person any Sunday for our contemporary service at 9.30 a.m. or for a more traditional service at 11 a.m. Please visit us online at www.crozetunitedmethodist.org for further information. We hope you enjoy this week's message from Crozet UMC. journeyed through. For some of you, this may be kind of the conclusion of a long day. This may be an opportunity to kind of sit and relax for the first time. I know that at the end of the four o'clock worship service, I asked the children if they were ready to go home and go to bed, and they assured me that they were. And I said, that's fabulous, because I know a lot of adults that will look forward to a moment of peace. And that's kind of what an 11 o'clock worship service has always been. And over the course of this past week, uh, some of my colleagues and I have had the opportunity to compare notes. Sometimes we do this. And this service is becoming more and more rare. More churches are no longer offering this opportunity, and maybe it's because more people are not apt to staying up late, but there is something very special about starting a service on Christmas Eve and concluding it in Christmas Day. And so some of our amazing tech crew that have been here all night, they're my ministers of digital technology, they were talking to me this evening and they said, you know, you've got a great pace. At four o'clock, it was like a 30-minute service. And then at seven o'clock, it was like 45 minutes. Maybe you can like keep that pace up here. And I said, gentlemen, we have to get out at 12.01 at the earliest. It has to be this way. This is where we are going. Fortunately, not only do we have a plethora of excellent music, but we have the Sacrament of Holy Communion. And it's an opportunity for us to continue to do some of those high liturgical things that we don't always get to do. But the true pleasure of an 11 o'clock service is that already much of the world has gone to bed. Already so many people have had their meals and they've had their fellowship with their family and those who were forward thinking have already wrapped all their presents and they're all ready to go to bed. And then there's us. We are here. We are here for a number of reasons. For some of us, this is a comfort. It is something that we have done for a very long time in our lives. For some of us, this is a very unique opportunity. It's something that we look forward to because it is not normative for us. And so it is exciting to come and to be bathed in candlelight and have the opportunity to look at Christmas from a different perspective. All throughout the evening, we've been journeying toward this statement about light. And truly, it's an opportunity for us to look at light in a whole new way. Not only is it part of our liturgical tradition and our Advent wreath and our candles, it's part of our, our tradition and any worship service to have candles on our altar, but it's also an opportunity for us, maybe for the only time in the year, to have that light brought out into our midst, and really to have our piece of that light. Later on this evening, we're all going to have an opportunity to share the light that comes from the Christ candle. And that has always been an open metaphor for how Christ's light spreads from Christian to Christian. It is something that we have had shared with us. As the author of 1 John indicates, this is something that we have received. We have heard it, 
We have seen it. We have looked at it. Some of us have touched it with our own hands. And it is very visceral, our faith. It is something that is deeper and more profound than words. But it is also something that requires words to pay homage to it. We choose to come before the Lord and engage in prayer and praise. We sing songs that express the majesty and the glory of what happened that first night because it wasn't really that glory that people experienced the first night. Most of Bethlehem was in bed. That's why you had to go outside of the city to find some shepherds who were keeping watch over the flock. Most of the city was not interested in what was happening in a stable. They had their own lives to live. They had their own concerns. Most of them had come back to a city that is their ancestors' home, but they no longer lived there. They had become more transient. And so they had the opportunity to live in other places. Even Joseph and Mary had to return to Bethlehem in order to be counted, which reminds us that they didn't come on a vacation. They didn't come because this was something they wanted to do. They came because they were required to come. And there, in the midst of what is necessary and what was out of their control, happened the birth of Christ. Christ incarnate happened that night in the midst of a scared young mother and a young man who had decided against all odds and clearly against some of the better wishes of his family to claim her and this child. And throughout their story, whether we're looking at the gospel account of Matthew or the gospel account of Luke, what we find is that repeatedly the word of God came to them through the angelic messengers. Sometimes for Joseph it was through a dream, and sometimes for Mary it was in the presence of the angel Gabriel, assuring her that what was happening was going to be okay. And sometimes that's what we need to know, is that in a world that is filled with hatred and violence and sin and death and sickness and struggle, that it's going to be okay. Because that was the struggle then, and it's the struggle now. Throughout the ages, Christians have always had things that they have to strive to overcome. Whether it was the Dark Ages, whether it has been world wars, crusades, there have constantly been battles. The people of God have been besieged by the troubles of the world. And sometimes those troubles are internal, and sometimes they're external. And sometimes in a really bad year, they're both. But that light still shines. And that's why we gather this night, to be reminded that the light is more powerful. When I was growing up, I went through the phase that sometimes teenage girls go through where you become obsessed with candles. And you have a lot of candles, so much so that my mother was afraid that I would burn down the house. And occasionally, if you lit all the candles and I closed the door to my room, it would get really hot in there. And it would get really, really warm, and my mother would open the door and go, oh, good Lord, Sarah. <laughs> but there was something about lighting all the candles and then sitting there and just watching them and just seeing the flames, because they all do different things. Some of them flicker and move. Some of them are stalwarts, and they seem to burn so high. And every now and then, you get the strange one that seems to be burning really, really high. Candles are like Christians. They are shining a light, but they don't all do it the same way. 
And so Christmas becomes an opportunity for us to decide how we are going to shine that light. For some of us, it's going to be in the connections that we are going to make over the course of today and tomorrow and maybe even in the days ahead with family and friends. For some of us, it's going to be in the intentionality of what we choose to do with our time. And growing number of people choose to volunteer around Christmas and in the days after for those that aren't able to feed themselves or those that are struggling because they are trying to overcome addiction. More and more Christians are finding multiple avenues for shining their light. And that was what we were being encouraged to do in 1 John, to see the light and recognize what it means. It means that we do not dwell in darkness, that even in our darkest day, there is a light. And sometimes it's when you turn out all the lights that you really appreciate the glow of that one light. So that when the Bible says that a light shone in the darkness and the darkness did not overcome it, that becomes the mantra for our lives, that the light of Jesus Christ is going to shine. It's gonna shine when we struggle financially. It's gonna shine when we're trying to figure out a transition as students or as job seekers and careers. It's gonna shine when we are struggling with our health, whether it's physical or mental or spiritual. It's going to shine no matter whether our relationships feel very copacetic or whether they feel completely torn asunder. That light shines. And it's when we feel the darkness encroaching that we need to turn toward the light and make sure that our focus stays there. Because the trappings of Christmas now are extreme. There are a lot of different ways that you can now engage with Christmas that might not have anything to do with the light of Christ. I was watching how there's a company now that has figured out how to use drones to do Christmas light shows. And I was amazed, well, first of all, this one was entirely themed of Top Gun, which was a little odd for Christmas, frankly. But you know what? I'm from the 80s. Let's just roll with it. And so as I was watching this, and it, it was very interesting. I mean, the technology, the, the coding that, that had to happen, and you had to get all these little drones to fly up and you know, perfectly make maverick space. Whatever you had to do to make it work, it was impressive. But I found myself going, what in the world does that have to do with a baby in Bethlehem? What in the world does this have to do with anything, right? Or you start to watch some of the Christmas shows that you watch, right? And you're like, okay, you know, it's Christmas time. We're going to watch shows. We're going to watch movies, you know, that whole Hallmark thing people get into. And you watch it, and sometimes you're like, what does this have to do with Christmas other than the fact that they're all sitting around a table eating turkey and or ham, and it's snowing? What does this have to do with Christmas? Because Christmas is really about... The light. That's why we put lights on our trees. That's why we put lights in our homes, in our windows, and on our doors. That's why we have candles, because it's about the light. But we forget sometimes, as we're adorning everything else with light, are we making sure that our light is shining? Is it our light that we're showing? For all of these other lights cannot eclipse the light of Jesus Christ. When the author of 1 John is talking and saying that this message has been a proclamation, God is light, 
and in him there is no darkness at all. There is no struggle about whether you are beloved in God. There is no struggle as to whether or not you are of sacred worth. There is no struggle in God as to whether or not you can be forgiven. Those are eternal truths. And so tonight we have the opportunity to experience that truth as well. It shines in the communion sacrament. It's an opportunity to taste and to experience with our bodies God's grace and love for us. And the idea is that it will become the fuel for our light to burn brighter. It's a lot easier to forgive when you know how precious forgiveness is. It's a lot easier to grant someone grace when you know that God has given you grace for your most difficult and dark times. And so, in this service alone this evening, are we experiencing the sacrament of Holy Communion? This one alone. Because there's something that happens in communion that is not always easy to transfer to all of the other expressions of Christmas. Usually, if you're trying to give communion to children, I get one of two responses. One, can I get a bigger piece of Jesus? And two, what's in the cup you said it was blood? <laughs> kind of changes the sacrament a little bit, but I like it. I like it. It's very in-your-face and real. And then you have the experience sometimes of that middle service of people who aren't familiar with our sacrament of Holy Communion, or they, they practice it differently in their home church or in their past experience, and so you kind of have to navigate that differently. But in this worship service, it's an opportunity to see that just as we are bridging Christmas Eve and Christmas Day, we are also seeing that connection, that illuminated fiber and strand that connects Christmas with Easter because they are not separate stories. They are stories that are interwoven. And that light that shined in the nativity star, that light that drew the magi from far away to come and adore the newborn king, that same light is magnified in the candles of that sacred meal where Jesus and his followers that he now called friends gathered at a table and there, for once more, he offered them the illumination of his words. He offered them the illumination and the light of his sacrificial offering embodied in this sacrament. And tonight, they come together for us because you're going to have the opportunity, if you so wish, to revel in justifying grace, to really know that if you seek to be forgiven, you will be cleansed of all your guilt all of your sin washed anew like a newborn baby. And so as we come to worship Christ and remember the day that he was born, we'll have the opportunity to draw close to the table that he sets for us and for the meal that he lays before us. And it's not an extravagant meal. It probably doesn't hold a candle, ironically, to any other meal you've had this night. But there is something very precious about coming to the table and knowing that this baby who was surrounded by animals and hay would one day set a table and invite all of those, including the one who would betray him, 
to taste his grace and to have a place where they are valued. That is a gift that sometimes we forget about on Christmas Eve and Christmas Day. But there is a table with a place that is set for each and every one of us. But more than that, my siblings in Christ, there is a spot for someone who has not yet seen that light. They dwell in darkness. And over the course of the next few days, weeks, months, perhaps even almost until next Christmas, you are going to be the lantern that God sends into their life. And they are going to need to see the light of Jesus Christ. So even after Christmas, when you start to pack away your Advent wreaths and you start to put away your Christmas lights and put away the Christmas tree and wrap up the ornaments, know that the light of Jesus Christ is not something that goes away into the attic or in the garage. It doesn't get put up on a shelf in the closet. The light of Jesus Christ is in you, and it needs to shine through you in the words that you will speak, in the actions that you will have, in the way in which you will spend your time shining that light. For some of you, that will be in how you already love and care for others. For some of us, it means finding new ways to love and care for those that don't know anything about Jesus Christ. And the fact that this night is not just for Christians, it's for every single one of us. That first night, it seemed like it was all about Mary, Joseph, baby, and the shepherds. It was just them. But the more that you look at the story, over time, this becomes a very rich, diverse scene. In fact, after tomorrow, our wise men that are back there on the tech booth with all of my guys back there will be making their journey here. They will come from afar because they have seen a light. And that light drew their attention because it was unmoving. Everything else was shuffling and busy in the night sky, but that star didn't move. It was constant. It illuminated the sky, and they were drawn to it. First, they were questioning it. Seems strange. Why isn't it moving? not like a star we've ever seen before. And then they started to do their research and they started to ask, what does this mean? But it wasn't something for them. It was something that was meant originally to be for God's people until we realized that they too are God's people. We are all God's people. And because of this night, every single one of us is a candle for Jesus Christ. Some of us are already burning. Some of us are reminded tonight that we need to let our light shine. But some of us know that just as in a little while, we will be passing along the light of Jesus Christ in this metaphorical moment as we light our candles and prepare to sing Silent Night once more. We will go out into the world and do that same thing. And when someone comes to you and says, I'm dwelling in darkness, are you willing to use your light to light theirs? That they will find hope, that they will find love, forgiveness, all of those things that we find when we gather at Christ's table. And we taste for ourselves 
that his promise of being forgiven and set free remains ever true. That promise began for us in a whole new way on Christmas, and it will carry us through our entire lives if we choose to continue to fuel our faith and allow who we are to illuminate the darkness of this world. May it be so. In the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit, we pray. Amen. Thank you again for joining us for this week's podcast. We hope you found the message meaningful, and we invite you to join us in person as we gather for worship at Crozet United Methodist Church every Sunday at 9.30 a.m. and 11 a.m. Please visit us online at www.crozetunitedmethodist.org to learn about ways you can connect with God and your neighbors through the ministries of Crozet UMC. Have a great week.